Welcome to Wax About It, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the waxing industry. As a professional waxing esthetician and entrepreneur, I'm here to share with you all the juicy stories, insider tips, and real-life experiences that come with running a waxing business. Are you a seasoned waxing pro or are you just starting out? There's something for everyone on Wax About It, so whether you're looking to start your own waxing business, expand your existing one, or simply want to learn more about the industry, Wax About It is the podcast for you. Join us as we chat about all things waxing. Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. We're kicking off season three. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? We're in season three of this podcast. It's grown so much. Thank you, everybody, to Thank you to everybody who's subscribed, who's shared, who's posted, who's liked, who's reposted, who's followed, everybody. I love you all so much. If you hop in the DMs, I will respond. And if you email, I'll get to it. It might take a while, but I will get to it. So thank you so much for the love and just taking this podcast higher and higher and allowing me to be honestly, even more inspired to continue on because podcasting is definitely uh, a challenge. You have to really want to be into it. You have to really know what you're talking about and be passionate about what you're talking about. And I'm both now. So thank you so much, everybody, for all the love. Yeah, let's get this thing going before we get into it. Really quick, if you haven't already, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, I need you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button because then you'll get the first knowledge on whenever a new episode drops. And believe me, you're going to want to catch these episodes fresh as soon as they hit the deck. So I feel like it's time to reintroduce myself. So what better way to kick off season three than to do that? So now I'm going to go ahead and get into my history, my my come up story, if you will. So I'm going to get started. I'm going to try not to be repetitive, but I mean, it's my story. So here we go. So again, I'm Asha Marie, as you know, and I have a background in retail merchandising, fashion design, fashion merchandising. And that's what I went to school for. I minored in business at Florida State University. And that was what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a fashion guru, a fashion designer, or work up under a famous fashion designer. And I was all in it. So my junior year, long story short, they cut the fashion design program. And I had to merge into another major, which was fashion merchandising. So It's not something I wanted to get into, but I learned to love it because it was basically how to sell the product and how to make it look good. You know, you can make it, but how are you going to sell it? So I learned a lot about uh, retail practices and allocation and just a lot of the stats and figures on how products move. So I graduated in fashion merchandising, minor business, and I started I hit the deck. I was already working in retail, but I was able to get a job in merchandising. So instead of working in one store, I got assigned to a store that housed a jewelry stand or kiosk. It wasn't even a kiosk. It was more like a jewelry stand. And so that jewelry company is who I worked for. So they actually had a contract with multiple 
retail stores and I would go into these multiple stores and make sure that the jewelry looked nice. I was in charge of ordering. I was in charge of marking it down, obviously putting it out, keeping track of the inventory and making sure that the staff or the team in that store knew about the jewelry and what was going on with it and all the fancy things. So every new collection that came out, I was in charge of making sure it hit the floor ASAP. I really, really enjoyed that job because it allowed me to move around. Um, I never saw myself as somebody who would be sitting in an office or in a cubicle. And, you know, no disrespect to anybody who does that. But I like to move around a lot. And I, I like to experience new atmospheres and sceneries all the time. So it was perfect for me. So I was driving throughout the tri-state area. If you're not familiar with that, it's Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And driving to different locations, I started training other people to do what I was doing. And it seems so easy, but I realized a lot of stores do not do their own merchandising. So I ended up getting into working with grocery stores as well. And I did not like that. <laughs> I didn't like that because it was uh, doing floor resets. And if you've ever, ever, ever done a floor reset or I don't even think a lot of these Stores do it so early in the morning that you'll never know what happened because, I mean, days will start at like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. So they would hire a bunch of different companies with multiple different teams to come in and reset literally the whole store, the grocery store. So I met a lot of people doing that. And this one particular day, I'll never forget, uh, this older gentleman, after a few days working together, he told me straight out, he was just like, you're too beautiful to be doing this. And I don't mean this in a vain way, but I think he was right because there was a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of dustiness going on and I didn't want to be there no more. So, <laughs> so that sat with me for a long time and I kind of remember like, okay, this is retail, but this is not the side or the sector that I want to be on. So I kind of went through this phase where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. At that time, I was selling lipstick. I had started my own cosmetic company, so to speak, but I only sold lipstick. And this is when all the bright colors were had become popular. You know, the Lime Crimes, the K-Or. Who else was even out then? Those are the, the top two that I can remember. And then I was like, okay, I could do this. I could sell this, but it don't have to be this expensive. And it, it does have to be that expensive. But anyways, <laughs> I learned that later. I learned a lot from starting that company and that brand, uh, a lot of stuff. And I ended up kind of phasing that out. And I decided to go to beauty school. And I did not foresee waxing as something that I thought I would dive into later. I thought facials was my thing. I like the idea of customizing them and doing different combinations that work for people's skin. So I did that. I went to a really small school. Let's backtrack. I went to a really small school called the World Class Academy of Beauty Careers in Tallahassee, Florida. It was It's black-owned, woman-owned. So I really, really enjoyed my experience there. I think it's unique to a lot of people compared to a lot of other people's experience, you know, who go to Aveda or, or larger schools because uh, one is black owned and two, it was so, well, my class was so small that I was the only esthetician student there. All the other people were either there for barbering or cosmetology. Every time someone came in for a skincare service, they were all mine. So I got to do a lot of hands-on and work closely with the instructor and the owner and I think that that gave me a really good perspective on how to hustle, 
like my instructor and my and the owner of that business, they taught me how to hustle, how to sell myself, how to speak up. Like I was really shy for somebody who was wearing bright lipstick all the time. Like I did not I usually would let people approach me first. So I learned a lot from that school outside of just the criteria. So when I graduated, I just hit the ground running because, you know, I had been I had been gassed up a lot. So I thought that, okay, I started my own lipstick company. I'm pretty sure I could just start my own. <laughs> I can start on my own, my doing facials, which is what I did. But um, the biggest mistake that I made in doing that was I just found any old salon, okay, and rented out a room in there. Now, two things. The first thing was that salon was not on my radar, meaning I personally would not have gone to that salon because it wasn't my style. The people who worked there, they did a certain type of clientele and a certain age group, it seemed like, and I was neither one of those. And so it didn't seem like the best fit, not to bash them, but they smoked cigarettes a lot. Even though they went out back to smoke, the smell had come into the salon a lot and it really tainted the air. And when you're doing facials, that's definitely not what you want. But it was $100. I think it was like $100 a week or something. I thought I was getting a good deal. And she had equipment there already that I had started using. So for me, the startup cost was so low and the availability was there. I thought it was a good decision. The second thing is that it was on a side of town where my clientele was not. So when I was at that school... Most of my clientele were a certain type of person or they lived in a certain area. So by going to that salon, which was on a different side of town, so to speak, and it was kind of in like, it wasn't even in a plaza for real. It was like an area where like, if you're not going specifically for something, then you are not going to be over there. And that's where I positioned myself. So I, I don't even know how long I was in there, maybe a month, maybe, but I don't think it was longer than that. So I went in there and tried to do my thing. Of course, friends came by and supported. That's when I really also picked up doing henna tattoos as well. That kind of kept me afloat for a little bit. I was doing henna tattoos. But man, my hands cramped up so bad. I really liked the creativity of doing henna tattoos, but I did not like the way that it made me feel afterward. So trying to do multiple back-to-back wasn't my... It wasn't my calling. So I ditched that idea and I decided ultimately, since I wasn't locked into a contract or anything, that I would not uh, stay where I was because I don't feel like I was recouping my investment fast enough. Therefore, I decided to look for a job with another company that was more established. And that's when I fell upon European Wax Center. Now, Tallahassee, if you're not familiar with it. It's the capital of Florida. However, it's a relatively small city. It's not Miami. It's not Jacksonville. It's not Tampa. It's Tallahassee, okay? It's more up there with the Pensacolas, you know, in the Panama cities, right? It's a little it's a little bit slower paced, well, from when I was there at least. So a lot of businesses, when they opened up there, it's like a big deal. Like when we got Chipotle, man, it was a huge deal. So European Wax Center came on the scene and it looked so polished. Now we did have waxing companies there. I think Brazil's has gained a lot more popularity since back then, but that was 
I think Tallahassee was the first location or second location, but anyway, that was the only place. And then a couple more maybe, but European Wax Center hit the scene and, and the branding was just so on point. The marketing was so on point and the color. Now these red scrubs were the ish. It wasn't like a regular red. Anyway, I don't have to get into that. Y'all know. So when I saw it, it was so appealing. So when I went inside, I was so intimidated because, you know, the waxologists had their matching scrubs. They all had the white shoes, clean, crisp. Everybody walking out of out of there looked happy. Everybody in there looked good. So I was like, oh my gosh, I just graduated. Like, can I even keep up with these? Or like, who am I to think that I can get this job with this new company that just came into town? Fast forward, got the job. And I I got a really, really, really good trainer. Uh, her name is Haley. Shout out to her. If you're listening, girl, hey. <laughs> and she was the top girl there, meaning she was the busiest. She was the most booked, the most requested. I think she was also there the longest. So I, it was an honor to be trained by her, and I, I enjoyed it very much. So I, being that it was a new company in the area, it wasn't as booked and busy as a lot of the other locations are around the country. So I wasn't, you know, making a bunch of bank, but it was more than what I was making when I was working on my own. So I was happy, had my little scrubs, had my little style, and I had my coworkers and we all were chilling. Fun fact, my little brother's best friend's sister worked there with me too. And we're like the same age. So it was kind of cool to like, you know, that our brothers were like best friends and then we were there working and befriending each other. So that was cool. Shout out to Olivia. Anyway, the change or the pivot that took my career to the next level, unknowingly, by the way, was when I decided to move away from Tallahassee. We're going to pause on that. I had to get a sip of coffee because this is a story, y'all. I got some tea. So I met this guy. (laughs) No, I met this guy at spring break. Um, the year after I had like graduated from college, which was way before I got my, um, my esthetician license. So no big deal. We all exchanged Facebooks, my friends, his friends, and we didn't really keep in touch. So fast forward, it was my birthday that year and he messaged me on Facebook and he literally sang me happy birthday. And I was like, Ooh, didn't know he could sing. Let's talk. So we were talking back and forth. We met in person and we clicked. So he lived in Columbus, Ohio, y'all. And I was like, I don't know nothing about Columbus. I've been to Cleveland a couple times, Toledo once or twice. I don't know nothing about Columbus, but I'm willing to check it out. So I flew up here a few times and I really, really grew to like the city. A, it's bigger than Tallahassee. So to me, it's like big city, even though it's no New York. It's like, oh, my God, a big city. Y'all got so much to do up here. And ultimately, I made the decision to move across country to pursue a long-term relationship with this gentleman and experience a new city. So lucky for me, European Wax Center is a franchise, and they had already established multiple locations in Columbus. Lucky for me... The busiest one was right around the corner from my boyfriend at the time from his house. So I instantly applied there and I think another one. And whoever was the manager there, shout out to her because 
I don't even think I met her in person. Like I interviewed with her and it went really, really well. I don't remember all the the details, but I know I got the job and I was moving up here. By the time I got up here, she was no longer the manager. So they had an interim manager come in and there was, you know, a group of girls here working. And now we'll tell you this. Not only was I only a few months in, you know, with my license, but now I'm the new girl again. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to fit in, basically, is what I'm saying. So there was a little bit of mean girlish vibes that I perceived. However, I did not let that deter me from my work because I had built up enough confidence back home to know that I can do it. I had already made my mistakes back at home So I grew from those as well. You know, the typical take too much off the eyebrow or drip the wax in the hair. I already did all that. So I already had my flow and I was confident in myself. So, you know, I had a girl here. She was like the top girl who everybody, who a lot of people booked. She was a trainer. I don't know if she thought this, but I do feel like she kind of, she sized me up a couple times and I stood my ground. And, you know, she would just come in and look at my setup and be like, what's this? What's this? I'm like, oh, that's this. That's this. I have my little powder pods. They're called powder pods. I prepare my powder ahead of time. I don't like pouring powder out on people. And it was just like kind of like annoying. But like I said, we're here to make money. I'm not in your way. You're not in my way. I'm not trying to take your clients. And eventually she started to respect me. And I grew my clientele. She left. And I found out after she left that she had referred a lot of her clients to me. So that was a quick, a fun little turnaround story. And the funny part about that also is she ended up moving down to Florida. So I feel like we like switched places and man, shout out to Kim. If you're listening to this. (laughs) Anyway, so I built up my books here in Columbus, working at Busy Location. Two years after the first year, I realized, okay, I like this company. However, I'm noticing a difference in the franchising. I'm noticing uh, inconsistency in the management. So an opportunity came up. They were opening a new location in a different suburb across town. And because I felt the way that I felt about the company and because I had retail management experience, I decided to apply for a location, a management position. So I interviewed and everything and I didn't get it. And I was discouraged. Because I felt like I loved the company and I felt like I could lead. I felt like knowing the waxing side of it, I would have an advantage. I could relate to the waxers more. And when I didn't get it, I did feel a little slighted and it made me lose a little bit of love for the company. So that was the first thing that started the ball rolling for me deciding to leave. In hindsight, though, I'm so glad I did not get that position because managing a wax salon and being a waxologist at a waxing salon are two completely different things. And I'm going to tell you this, you can make the same amount of money by doing either one. So once I got wind of that, I was like, okay, I don't want to be put on, I don't want the glass ceiling. Like I want to be in control of my bonuses or how much how many add-ons I do, like my tips, like you don't get any of that stuff when you're a manager. So the second thing that propelled me to think about going into business for myself is that I started looking for other women who look like me in the industry, meaning 
black waxologists, but not only other black waxers. I was looking for someone who was solo and who made a living for herself and was happy. And that's when I found Stephanie Lanes. She's been in the game for over 20 years. She's an esthetician, a master esthetician, excuse me. And she owns, <laughs> she owns multiple brands, y'all, but y'all can look her up later. Stephanie Lane's, I had become aware of her and her brand. I started looking at her YouTubes. I started looking at her, her videos, all of her content to see what she was saying. And I took notes. A lot of the tips that she gave, I implemented myself and it worked. So I knew that if I were to take a leap, I would have at least one resource and that was her. And so if she ever listens to this, thank you, Stephanie Lanes, for for paving the way for young black estheticians like myself. That's just my perspective. So, I mean, now, you know, we have Instagram, we have all these outlets where we can find what we need. But at that time, that's who I found and she stuck out like a sore thumb. So the third thing that took me over the edge was, and this is a tip that I learned from Stephanie too. So when I realized I was performing $100,000 in services, I realized, okay, this this is a big deal. I can perform $100,000 in services. Now, we all know that just because you're doing $100,000 in services, that's not what you're making. Come on now, especially when you're working for someone else. But just to know that that was the tier that I could potentially work toward as a solo person doing the exact same service, it just made sense. I've always wanted to own my own business. I've always been a solo, not a solo starter, but like a self-starter. Self, I've been always been a person who works well independently. I don't mind I don't mind being on teams. I love having a team. But I don't mind working by myself either. So, when I saw that number, I was like, all right, year 2. If I do it again or if I do that by year 2, now I know I need to start thinking of some other things cuz I don't want to be here forever working on an hourly salary. And by the way, I ain't want to put this detail out here. But back then when I was working there, um the highest I could make was 9 an hour. So I started off, oh girl, I'm about to age myself. Hmm. I started off like when I really, really first started with the company, I was like, I'm making like seven, $7 an hour. And then I worked my way up incrementally. I think uh, $8 an hour was like, oh my God, I finally hit it. And then I hit eight twenty five, And then I think nine was like toward the very end. I'm pretty sure it's going up depending on where you are. But when you're working with that, (laughs) the motivation to get out of there is very high. So what pushed me over the edge, what made me literally go and leave was the management turnover. Like I said, I don't mind being on a team. It's just that I don't like when it doesn't feel like we're on a team. Like scratch out all the cattiness and all the, the the mean girl stuff. I was way past all that. Like I liked working with everybody who I worked with. Now, if they like working with each other, that's up to them. But I didn't have no problems with nobody. So we had like four managers during my time there. And I was only there for two years. So, so... I felt like that was there was a disconnect between us and upper management and um, the owners of the franchise. Um, I felt like being the busiest location, we had a lot of expectations put on us, but we didn't have the proper leadership and guidance 
to meet the goals that we could have made because I, I think that we could have made them. I think that we just needed we needed a leader who was passionate about what we were doing. And the last manager who was there, she didn't make me leave. It's just, it just wasn't it. Okay. I decided to take that leap of faith. It was winter. It was about to be winter season, which as you all know, is the slowest season in waxing. And I just had to go for it. And so of course, when I put my two weeks notice in very kindly, the next day I was hit with don't work the two weeks, <laughs> basically. And they didn't tell me, like, they. I had to, I got ready for work, man. And I came into work, and that's when they told me. And I'm like, y'all gonna just call me. Like, y'all, now I gotta go home and <laughs> take these scrubs off. So on my way out, like, I was very, I was very respectful. Like, I was, I was like, okay, like, no, I understand. Like, well, thank you. I think I tried to give, like, shake her hand or something. And she was, like, just scowling at me. And I'm just like, it don't have to be like this. Like, why are you taking this so personal? Anyway, it was weird. But at the end of the day, whatever, whatever. So I went up there like a week or two later to pick up my last check. And one of the one of the beaming lights for me was that one of my regular clients had just walked out of her service and she saw me. And so we're chit-chatting outside. And she's like, I'm so glad that... I see you today because they didn't tell me you left and I didn't know how I was going to find you. And so I probably gave her like my business card or something like that. And that motivated me to start by letting my clients find me. Thank God I have a name that is not very common (laughs) because I feel like if you knew how to spell it, you could find me. But now, I know this is a really sticky topic because uh, there are non-compete disclosures out there, and I think that they're for a good reason. As a business owner, I think it's important to establish like that boundary and that line. I just think that like clients are going to do what they choose to do, right? Now, I'm, I don't blame them for not telling them what happened or where I went. I think they should have told them that I left, like instead of like letting them come in and like get serviced by someone else. But I mean, whatever. They they did it how they did it and I'm just thankful that I went the route that I went. All right, last let's get into the beginning of my solo story. Yeah. So Basically, I had two less weeks to come, to prepare for my solo journey than I expected. At this time, I had taken out a personal loan to get the equipment that I needed, and it was so scary, y'all. And I do want to point out that during this time, um, I was in a whole different relationship, y'all. That's a, another backstory. But if you want the juice, if you want the tea, here it is. Rewind. When I moved up here to be with uh, the person that I was with initially, we broke up like three months later and I ended up having to go get a studio apartment. And I think that's why I was so motivated to like continue doing what I do and not let like the, the mean girls or the discouragement, the discouraging thoughts deter me because I like I had to make it like I moved across the country shipped all my stuff up here 
And I didn't want to go home and feel like a failure. I didn't want to go home and be embarrassed. So I, I had to get it how I lived up here, y'all. And I did. But during that time, I had jumped into another relationship that would later turn toxic and it wasn't good. So started my solo journey. Peak toxicism hadn't peaked yet. So <laughs> it was okay at the beginning, but I was basically using the money that I got in my loan to to pay for equipment. But every now and then, like I would give some to my boyfriend at the time. Girl, just being stupid, just being stupid. And that is what it is. I'm telling my truth right now. I don't think I've ever told anybody that, but now y'all know my business. So anywho, y'all, I did what I needed to do and I started working. Now, at this point in time, I had like two clients a week and they were probably like eyebrows, like it sucked, but that's better than zero. I told myself as long as I can, after like two months, as long as I can start paying my weekly rate and break even, I'm happy with that. So eventually it got to the point where I had like a Brazilian every week or something, maybe three, three was a good week girl. And how I got those clients was the place that I was at, it was like a sweet collection. So, you know, everybody wants to know who's a new business moving in. The girl who worked across from me, her name was LaQuinta, she was... Like looking back, like I I now view her as like a mentorial friend because she was so encouraging. Like she had been there for like seven years doing hair. She told me about guerrilla marketing and I was still a little shy back then. So she was telling me like, girl, you got to talk to people. And, you know, she would send people my way every now and then or at least tell them about me. Um, matter of fact, we were next door to each other. So she kept me feeling positive and she also helped me through that relationship that I was in. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So the thing that propelled my business forward was Groupon. That's why like people talk crap about Groupon all day. Yes, they take half your earnings. But if you're starting out, I'm sorry, but like your marketing is not going to be like Groupon's marketing. Let's just be honest. And if you got to do discounted services to get your name out there, do the damn discounted services to get your name out there. It's not that bad, y'all. Like, I mean, if you really want to do it, you know what I'm saying, a little something, something, set your prices higher than you normally would and then go on Groupon and stay on Groupon. I'm just saying. But anyway, the only thing with that, though, is what what from what she told me in the beginning, Groupon used to pay out like every week and or or and they used to pay out for like all the purchases. By the time I got up in Groupon, they paid out twice a month and they only pay you for the redeemed Groupons, which sucks cuz so many people do not redeem their Groupons and it's like dang it for nothing. So, I felt like, you know, it wasn't like the bread and butter that it could have been, but it was something. So, um this was like April we're talking, right? So, we're out of winter slow season and we're getting into April. Um Spring breakers have caught wind of me a little bit in March. So I'm getting a few return Groupons as well. So the key to being on Groupon is not just let me get the people, let me get the people. No, it's get their asses in there and tell them why they need to come back to you. You need to make sure that their experience is so good. I don't care if they're paying for a discounted service. You need to make sure their experience is so good and unique and incomparable to anywhere else they've gone that they don't mind coming back and paying you full price. And if you feel like they're not going to pay you full price, offer them a 
personalized discount, okay? Just be like, hey, you don't have to buy another coupon. I'll do this for that same price if you just pay me directly. Do that. Like, come on now. Y'all got to finesse it. Anyway, so that helped me build my clientele. And then I would say I paid off my personal loan that I took out after five or six months of being open. So that was a huge, huge accomplishment for me because I did not think I was going to be able to pay it off that fast, but I did. And I I had like a little bitty room. Like, I don't even think, I don't even know how many square feet it was, but it wasn't very much. And I made that little room work and you can do it too. So after that, I started, well, the whole time I've been utilizing my graphic design skills and my social media and stuff like that, but that's very important. Even if you feel like you don't have a lot of followers or likes, when people look you up on your social media, they need to at least see that you exist, that you have a presence, and that you are keeping up with your presence. Because you could just post a bunch of before and afters, you could post memes, whatever. But as long as you're on there and they they see you, that's going to set you also apart from some other Joe Schmo who wants to rip their hair out. But of course, there's ways to level up. That's another episode. But just a little tidbit. I grew my business, of course, through Groupon, but also by my returning clients and their big ass mouths. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> Word of mouth. So one of the biggest things for me was reviews. And I truly believe in this still to this day. Closed mouths do not get fed. If you don't ask them to write a review for you, they might not write a review for you. They might think that your service was amazing, but if they have the extra time, they might get on Google and write about it. But if they're not like a, a, what is it called? A star reviewer or something like that. People who just like to write reviews, they're probably not gonna write about it. So if you ask them to their faces to write the review, they're way more likely to do it. You can ask them in person after the service or if you're feeling uncomfortable about that, make sure that after the service that it's in the note for like with their receipt. Like I'm pretty sure, well, a lot of people still take cash, but after services, if you're using any kind of booking technology, then it probably has an automatic email that goes out to them after the service is complete. So in that email, it needs to you need to go in there and type and say, if you love your service today, please leave a five-star review for us on whatever platform. Be as specific as possible and ask for exactly what you want. Don't say write a review. You can say write a review if that's what you want, but I wanted five-star reviews. So I asked for five-star reviews and that's what I got. So once you build up your reviews, then it just, it, it starts to take off from there. So it helped that I was in a good location. I was relatively central. You know, a lot of people still came from like other sides of town, but I wasn't like, I wasn't on any edge. Like I was closer to downtown than not. I was relatively closer to campus. So that helped me out a lot. And then I had like some girls in sororities who would just refer their sorors to me. So that really helped a lot too. And then, of course, summertime is the busiest. So, you know, people going on vacation, people want to get snatched, people don't want to deal with. Some people really don't like dealing with franchises. Some people specifically make it a point to only support local businesses. So that's going to set you apart as well. So that's why I said making sure you have an online presence is important because if they don't know you exist online, then they definitely not going to know you exist in real life unless you're in like a busy plaza. But that's probably a higher price. So we'll get into that later as well. So anyway, that's how I grew my business, word of mouth and reviews. Now, let's see. 
after a year of working on my own, you know, they say a lot of businesses, I think it's like 90% of businesses fail within the first year. So it was really important for me to make it to that year mark. So once I made it to that year mark, I was like, I can finally relax a little bit. I had finally found a flow. I finally figured out like what to pay myself and make sure that I had some to still pay taxes or to still pay for my expenses. And so once I got a better idea of what I was doing, then I started looking at, okay, what can I enjoy from this? So y'all, back then I was childless, y'all. I ain't had no kids, y'all. I wanted to travel. But before I could think about that, I was going through this toxic relationship. So y'all, I don't have proof and I won't make any accusations, but I think I was with someone who had a, may have had a mental imbalance. So long story short, y'all, whenever he got angry, like he got angry and it just got to the point where he was always yelling, like he yelled a lot. And when he yelled, like he was very animated. So he wouldn't just like yell. He would like yell and get up in your face no matter who you were. He'll get up in your face, he'll move his arms around a lot. And I'm not, I'm 5'2", I'm petite. He's taller than me, obviously. So when he got up in my face, like it was so like intimidating and he would like tower over me and that brought out the absolute worst in me. And so, you know, the cops were called a couple times. Ugh, I hate talking about this. I remember one particular day, he threw me into the wall and like there was this big old dent in the wall and next thing I knew I was coming to work with like a bruise on my arm I'm looking at my arm now um it was like a bruise on my upper arm so I could hide it with my sleeve but to like my closest co-workers like I showed them and like when I showed them the bruise they were like <gasps> like it was I'm over here thinking oh it's not that bad it was bad y'all I mean I didn't have any black eyes but like bruises on arms holes in walls this is terrible And I don't think I'm a victim anymore. Like, I've healed from that. But I think it's important to share that in my story because we all have lives. Like, we all have things we're going through that can deter us from our purpose and from our goals, right? So that easily could have brought me down. I could have just stopped working or showed those emotions at work. But when I was at work, y'all, like, I was at work. Like, I loved wax I I still love it because to be able to come to work and love what you do enough to forget even just for a little bit about what you're going through at home that's how I knew this was for me and it got me through that my business got me through it I'm up here you know a lot of my family's still down south but my business got me through that like I gotta do this for my business like I remember he tried to like grab my phone and take my phone from me and I was like no I need that for work I need that for work luckily I got it back but It was just a whole mess, y'all. So long story short, cops got involved the right way they needed to get involved. And I have not seen that man since. Thank God. Um, It's been so long now. Like when I was thinking about how many years ago that was, I'm like, dang, that was a long time ago. (laughs) And it feels so good to be able to get to this point and laugh now. But y'all, like, I'm going to just say this. Y'all pause. This is a serious announcement. Like if you're going through any type of abuse, domestic, physical verbal psychological mental whatever financial I don't know whatever like any type of abuse where you feel like you're being taken advantage of and you're being intimidated like please get out of it it does not get better I know that from experience people told me that it wouldn't get better and I didn't believe them I thought that going to church together would be our 
our our ticket like it would be our glue it would, it would fix what happened and erase it and it didn't the same exact thing happened a year later to the T I kid y'all not like we had this big blowout when, when the hole was in the wall like June of whatever year that was I kid you not like I moved I did everything to get away from him eventually he slithered his way back in by us going to church together found out where I lived again we were dating and then a year later the same thing happened we had to call the cops again so y'all it's just multiple times by the way but anyway just don't do it and I know it's easier said than done I know that when you're in it that you don't know that it's so bad and I know that this message isn't even for everybody, but for whoever it is I'm talking to right now, please listen to me. I'm going to give you a phone number to call and I need you to do this. I didn't think that it was for me because I didn't think my situation was that bad. But just calling this number and talking to them made me feel so much better. It made me feel like my feelings were validated. It made me feel like I wasn't crazy and it made me feel like I had options. So and here's the phone number. 1-800-799-7233. Okay, so back to the story. Sorry to get so serious on y'all, but I have to tell my story the way that my story needs to be told. COVID. COVID sucked, but COVID was the most unexpected blessing ever. Because for COVID, we had to shut down or I had to shut down. Everybody, all the beauty professionals had to shut down in Ohio, March of 2020. I remember that day because the day before we were all kind of whispering about like, oh, Governor DeWine's going to talk about salons, y'all. And he made that announcement and we closed. And, you know, we're thinking it's for a couple of weeks. All right, cool. Two weeks turned into two months. And this is another reason why online presence is so important <laughs> because when people can't get to you and they like you, they're going to find you and you better have something for them to, to gnaw on. So that's how I kept in touch with a lot of my clients um, by making sure that they were still doing their skincare. They're still taking care of their skin. And you got to be serious about your license. I'm not going to talk about nobody specifically, but for people who think that it's okay to to bribe you into doing their services illegally, whether it be during a shutdown or mobile when you know you don't have a mobile license, if that's something that's necessary. Like, screw them. I'm over here. <laughs> Forgot I'm on video. <laughs> no, but screw them because it's not worth it. Like, if somebody snitches on you and you lose your license, now you lose your livelihood. Now you look stupid and they're going to just go to somebody else. That's just me. People would make the offer, and I said no. And I knew I wanted the money, but I also want to be able to work when it's time to go back to work. So, no. When it came time to go back, I didn't make the decision to go back. People were asking me if I was coming back in May because governor said that we could open. And I hadn't even decided that I wanted to, but I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll be back. Wear my mask, wear my face shield. And... I had so many clients trying to get in at the same time that they had booked all the way up through August. So May, June, July, August. I had four months worth of full books because of COVID. 
like completely full. Like I can't squeeze anybody in full. And that had never happened before. I've been full before, you know, relatively. But that that was eye opening to me because I'm like, dang, I can't take new clients. And it, it didn't feel good to say that I couldn't take new clients. So that's what made me decide to expand. I was like, OK, um, I had a new group of mentors that I was uh, in, in communication with. And my coach, Coach Tyra, she told me, like, you got to you got to move. You got to you got to take flight. And it was so scary because, you know, my family and other people who knew me longer were telling me, like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to take out a lease for a space right now. This isn't the time to do that. What happens if we shut down again? Da, 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 da. But I didn't listen to them. And I'm so glad I didn't because I took a leap of faith and I found a commercial lease and I signed it and I built what well, I didn't build it out. But I furnished it out. <laughs> I tripled my my equipment and my supplies and I just put all my faith into it. And over three years later, here we are. COVID was a blessing for my business because not only that did it allow me to see the need and offer the space for other waxologists to come and, and hone their craft, but it also allowed my clients to come in and be serviced. I had I had an overflow of clientele that I could lend to other waxologists to come work with me. And to be able to say that out loud, this is probably the first time I've been able to say that out loud. That's a blessing and it feels good. And and I think it's important to know when it's time to take your next step. Like you can be comfortable and cozy working solo, but there's going to be a point if that's not if that's not what you want to do. Like if you want to work solo for the rest of your life, for your lifestyle, cool. But what happens when you get sick? What happens when you want to go on vacation, which I did go on vacation before that? Um, I had to shut down for two weeks because I'm on vacation. But I always think like, dang, if I had other people working for two weeks, we wouldn't have to shut, you know, close. So I think there's benefit in collaboration these days, and I think there's benefit in having a team. I think that what we need to realize as professionals is what we want. What kind of team do you want? You don't have to settle for, oh, I'm just going to go work here because I want to work with other people. Do you want to work with other people or do you want other people to work for you? Or do you want other people to work with you? Do you want to collab or do you want to just be shoved in the same workspace as these other people who are grouchy every morning or who are mean girling you? Think about that. I prayed a lot. I always prayed over my business. I think that's an important thing. But I do think that God brought me my team the way he did because I didn't know where to find these girls. I was on Indeed looking at applications. I don't know. They found me and they stuck out like sore thumbs. And they're still with me to this day. So shout out to my team. Thank you so much for being the awesome yous that you are. And I never call them, I don't think I do. I don't think I call them my staff. I, I purposefully choose team because we are a team. I don't do everything. I can't do everything. Even my reception team, like they make my business better. The other waxers that work with me make my business better. And now that I have a child, I definitely can't do everything. I don't have all the time in the world like I used to. I wish I did, but I don't. But that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of life and of growing a business, which is also like a baby. But yeah, so that's my story. I hope I uncovered the mystery for anybody who wanted to know more about it. And if you want to talk or if you have questions, please, please feel free to DM me. I know it's easy to think that 
just because someone has a podcast that they're inaccessible or they're too busy or they can't they can't possibly have the time to read your messages but we got time okay we got time <laughs> it's just a matter of being intentional like i'm i'm not a big fan of small talk i know i work in waxing in it i know i know but i'm really not so if you want something specific, just get to the nitty gritty. Just message me, you know, greet, greet me. You know, that'd be nice. But like, say what you want, say what you want to know, ask what you want to know. and Let's have a real conversation. That's what I'm here for. So my goal is to not only uplift and encourage my clients to feel beautiful and confident, but I also want to do that for other people in this industry too. So y'all got me here about to cry because... <laughs> Every time I tell that story, I tell it differently and I add more details each time. So I really do want to write a book, but uh, we'll see. If you think I should write a book, let me know. Please let me know because <laughs> that would be really good to hear coming from people who are literally listening to me right now. So anyway, that's all I got for y'all. Tune in next week for the next episode. And don't forget to check the Instagram because every Wednesday, at least every Wednesday, there's a new wax formation for you. So if you don't know what a wax formation is, it's a waxing affirmation. I think that it's important to have affirmations, but it's also important to have specific affirmations for us in our industry. So go check those out. Like, share, subscribe, all the things. Catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Oh, and we can get social too. Follow us on Instagram at waxaboutit. Hop in those DMs and let us know what you think of this episode or like us on Facebook. And remember, waxing ain't for the weak.